Hello and welcome back to the Catch the Blitz show. I'm Thomas Bogart, as always, joined by Christian Catanacci. Cat, what's going on? I'm doing good, Puck. I'm feeling a little under the weather, getting over it. This weekend was a little rough. I did some partying. My cousin got married. So it was um, an eventful weekend. Didn't sleep too much. Uh, So I look forward to um, catching up on my sleep uh, tonight after the amazing... Monday night football game that we have ahead of us uh, in the San Francisco 49ers and the amazing Minnesota Vikings. But um, doing good, Puck. How about you? I'm doing not too bad. Didn't have as uh, an eventful weekend as you. Congratulations to your cousin. That's uh, that's great to hear. Um, primetime games, you mentioned tonight, 49ers, Vikings. Kind of out on primetime games as a whole this year. I don't know if you look at Sunday night football coming up. Really not a lot. Of, really not a lot to look forward to. Monday night football has been great. Thursday's terrible as always. Yep. Is it just me or am I the only one who thinks that like every week there's like barely any good games in the NFL this season? I mean, it always it's it's again, when the NFL schedule's coming out, it's like tough to predict in the sense that teams that are supposed to be good get put on all these primetime games like the Jets, right? The Jets, but that's not necessarily their fault. It was just the Broncos a, are the Bears. The Bears next week Sunday Night Football. We got the Bears, right? So, the Broncos, like yeah. that's like a they, those. That's the NFL betting on teams being good, right? And the fact of the matter is that they're not. So I know they started doing the whole flex thing. They can flex games. They just got to get like a two week window, I think, or something like I don't know, something along the lines of that. I think you're going to start seeing more and more of that, um, especially if this becomes a recurring issue. But I don't know how long it'll last. I just think there's a lot of pretty bad teams in the NFL right now. There are. Um, so that's probably why people constantly feel that, oh, why are there so-and-so, why is so-and-so playing on primetime, right? Like, it's just, there's, a, there's really not that many good teams in the league right now. Um, and, I mean, it's impossible to, to avoid all of them because every team's got to sort of get their um, showtime. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the most exciting game, I will say that. It's not. Um, but we'll, we'll start with talking about the primetime game for last night because it was my Dolphins going up against the Eagles and the Dolphins losing to the Eagles. Um, a theme in the game, and this is something I don't usually like talking about, but a big theme in the game was refing. And it wasn't just the Miami game yesterday. There were a ton, a ton of very controversial calls in the NFL this week. Um, the Browns were, you know, some are saying they were gifted a win. The Steelers... Um, that horrible spot. What a spot Some are that saying was. that the Rams were robbed of a win. Um, and then in the Dolphins game. And even the Falcons game, too. Falcons the Falcons, game, yeah. they had, there was a play where Desmond Ritter went to go, um, a, a he, he did a QB sneak or something like that, and then they didn't spot the ball, and then they didn't reset the game clock, and then the Falcons had to use a timeout. And I was like, whoa, like that's kind of out there. But then, yeah, like you mentioned in the Dolphins game. I think the penalties ended up being 11 to nothing for the Eagles. Yeah. I'm sorry, 11th nothing for the Dolphins. The Eagles didn't have a penalty called on them all game long. There were a ton of screenshots circulating around Twitter about, you know, missed holding calls. There were a couple pass interference that seemed pretty blatant. Mike McDaniel got about as non-joking as I've ever seen him in a press conference when he said, you know, he talked about Tua's interception and how Raheem Mostert tried to make a play on the ball. It looked like it for sure. And, you know, if he was able to come back to the ball, it wouldn't have been a pick. And he was saying it was what was deemed as legal contact. So that's as, as serious as I think Mike McDaniel's going to get. But I think this begs the question as a whole, because I feel like we have this conversation about refing in this league every single year. 
Is it becoming a concern in the NFL? I mean, it's not. It's not good. Like the the state of what NFL refing is at this point of time is, dare I say, lackluster. Like to have such a good product that the NFL has, um, to have that sort of followed by just pretty poor officiating week in and week out. It it's truly a head scratcher to me because it sometimes feels like the refs are getting in the way. And then sometimes it's like, they're not calling enough. So like, there's always two sides to it. It's either, Oh, they're throwing the flag way too much. And then sometimes it's like, they're not throwing it enough. But like, what I don't understand is I just want what's called, what's clear should be called. Right. And like, be consistent with it. Like you want to talk about the Raheem Mostert situation. Like that's always called always. Right. That's called a nomad. Whether you disagree with the rule so be it. The fact of the matter is, you put on 99% of the games, if a receiver can't make the, a play back to the ball, you're getting flagged. Heck, the Raiders, two years ago on Thanksgiving, drove down the field constantly on yeah. Anthony Brown just that, off that, that play. Was their, that was their scheme. The year the Raiders made the playoffs, I mean, this is obviously a joke, but I, I always felt their offensive scheme was throw deep and hope for a flag. Right? I felt like it happened every week. But, for it, but it is a penalty. At least that was consistent. But like now, it, this you look at the, some stuff that's this year, it's just not consistent, right? Like all you could ask for with officiating in any sport is consistency. And I think that's sort of the, I think the NFL is going in an opposite direction when it comes to that. There's no consistency week in and week out, or game to game for that matter. I mean, I kind of empathize with the referees a little bit because at the end of the day, they have, a, they have a very, yes. very difficult job. And you made a great point in saying that there isn't really a way that they can win because when they do throw the flag a lot, everyone says, oh, you know, let the players decide the game. But when the players are doing something illegal that is, you know, against the rules, then sometimes the refs need to throw their flag. Yes. And players aren't allowed to decide the game when they are going against the rules. So it is a very tough spot. But I think the key word is consistency because you you need that. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tough look. And I think at the end of the day, it is a, a very hard job. And so, so many examples coincidentally came forward at once in one glaringly bad week. But... It also hurts when some of the examples could be avoided with yes. the resources that the league has. And and that key one, I think, is Rams and Steelers because there are ways to determine if the ball was spotted. And the fact that, you know, Sean McVay didn't have any timeouts left, he couldn't challenge. If it was in within two minutes, though, then it could have been reviewed. But they so have, yeah, like, like they, you, they should have been able to immediately turn that over. But the thing is, you know, they tried it with to be able to challenge the pass interference penalty after the whole Rams and Saints mishap, but then they were slowing the game down and people don't want that. And I don't know, I watch a lot of European soccer and they have VAR and sometimes I think it gets a little too technical. It, it, and it does. So so it's it's a whole debate that I think you can go on for hours with because there is a human element and a human error aspect to the sport that I think refereeing provides. But when it is a glaring issue, it sucks but then when you get too technical and too video review and let's go to the replay center, always, 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 it's, it really bogs down the game and it, it creates a pretty frustrating you know, viewer experience for a sport that already has a ton of commercials and stoppages. And so it, I think the NFL really here is in a no-win situation because refs are going to be bad and it's, it's happened. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I, I can't disagree with that. But the one thing that, like you mentioned, the, the Rams and the Steelers game, 
there, the NFL does have like an expedited review process. Like they very much could have just went to the booth and changed that in, in a second. I don't know why they didn't do that. That sort of gave me like a little bit like, what the heck? Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me because for some reason, I don't know if it's me just making up a conspiracy theory here, but I actually think that the Steelers benefit more than a lot of teams, dare I say all teams in the NFL when it comes to sports. Like there's statistics to back it up. I don't have them on the top of my head, but I know there are like statistics that have the Steelers at the bottom for all like penalties towards you're, all. You're just, this is I, just pure Steelers it, hate. It, no, it's not even Steelers hate. It isn't Steelers hate, even though we will get into the Steelers later on in the show. But off the topic of refs, I want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles because I sat on the show last week and I said they haven't played a good half football um, all year. Well, they just played two good halves of football yesterday. Um, and AJ Brown, man. I, if I was a Titans fan, I know, I don't want to get too harsh on Titans fan. We, we, we sort of gave them, um, yeah, we said yes. Right. We, like, what can you be excited about? <laughs> right. And, and we they just did, traded their only good they players. They just traded their only good players as well. To the Eagles um, well. To the Eagles, but, uh, not that trade. We're talking about AJ Brown, which was done a couple of years ago, but man, like that, he is a real game changer. Like, is he as talented as Tyree Kill, as Justin Jefferson? Probably not, but you could damn make the argument that he's as important to his team as Tyree Kill is to the Dolphins, as Justin Jefferson is to the Vikings. Like, this guy is a true game changer. And I was talking to one of my Eagles friends off air, and I told him, and I think he agreed with me too. I was like, I don't, as good as the Eagles are, all these pieces they have, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Nick Sirianni, um, Darius Slay, like they got Kevin Byer now, like they got players, right? For as good as this team is, I don't know if they're the same team without A.J. Brown. I think he maybe makes the argument for the most important piece on that entire team. I think I could buy into that take because he's so physical. He's such a mismatch, but also he has that blazing speed that makes him a deep threat. And when you throw it up to him, it's so, so hard to get a hand in there because he just uses his body. He's so big. Yeah, he's just like, he is the ultimate. You know, he's he's essentially becoming the modern-day Julio Jones, who the Eagles just also signed and who A.J. Brown grew up looking up to. So that's kind of a weird, funny story over there. I was going to say, he he reminds me a lot of, of, of like, prime Des Bryant. I would say, like... Like they're both fast. Even they're I'll, both I'll throw huge Brandon physical. Marshall. Brandon yes, Marshall is like another type of receiver. Good, like, they're they're all that type of receiver, which is really it's cool to see because you don't really see that type of receiver yeah. succeed anymore, right? And and outside like him and DK, which they both came from the same school at the same time. Uh, I mean, man, I just I couldn't help myself when I watched AJ Brown yesterday night. I was like, this dude is like. Right now, there is probably not a single. Which is crazy to say because Tyreek Hill's like got a thousand yards already or whatever, almost there. But like there is not a single receiver that's dominating snap in and snap out like A.J. Brown is. So he's obviously on this crazy run right now where he's got 125 plus receiving yards and I think it's five straight games, which is wild. But I also feel like a player has never been this dominant and also like he fe- it feels like he's quietly doing this every week. Like he'll yeah. have like seven receptions, 130 yards. Maybe he doesn't get it. Like he only has three touchdowns this season. And no one's talking about it, which is crazy because we always talk about Tyree Kill and, and Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup and all these guys that put up these monstrous numbers. But A.J. Brown is ultimately 
he's almost leading that pack <laughs> and he's not quite getting the the love that he deserves so it was it was great that he did that on a primetime game in Sunday night football where you know all of America was watching um, but we'll talk about the Dolphins a little bit because they did lose um, if you look at the opponents that they have beaten this year obviously they sit at five and two they have blown out every single bad team in the NFL they've set records for yards points and all this. And their two losses come against the Bills and the Eagles, really the only two playoff-type teams that they've play- come up against. And this has been a kind of a long-stemming problem in the Mike McDaniel. I mean, it's a short era, but the sample size that we do have, they have really, really struggled against teams with winning records. So the term frauds has sort of come out in relation to this Dolphins team, and I think it's the perfect opportunity to go into our new game, Fraud or not, where we're going to go through all 13 teams in the NFL that have a winning record and essentially say, are these teams frauds or are they not? And I guess we'll just start off with the Miami Dolphins. What do you think? I don't think the Dolphins are frauds. I, I think frauds is a little bit too harsh. I mean, they still sit at five and two. Are they as good as we expect them to be? Uh, like, maybe not. I, again, I... I don't want to like the game could have been the game could have went different, right? Like Tyree Kill catches that slant, maybe it's a different play, different game. I know they came back and scored a pick six, but still, like like plays like that, I feel like change outcomes of games. Um, I'm not ready to to throw the Dolphins in the fraud category now. Like, are they Super Bowl favorites or Super Bowl contenders? Like a lot of people were expecting, including myself. I thought the team was very good. Maybe not. Maybe they still have more to grow, more to. Fill into again, Mike McDaniel, still very young head coach. Tyreek Hill, again, only been a year, a season and a quarter with the team. Two was just getting his legs under the. I, I know he's been in the league for a while, but again, he's been not so healthy sometimes. So I, I think this team still has more potential than what they're showing. I think they they're, they might get there. Again, will they get there this year? I'm not sure, but this is a good team. I don't know if I'm ready to say frauds because I still think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a tough team to play in the playoffs. You're not going to want to play an offense that could score 70 points on you, but I'm not ready to put frauds. Where I struggle with this fraud narrative is Miami's two losses were on the road and they were underdogs against two teams that were, you know, top four in terms of Super Bowl odds. Like they weren't expected to win either of these games. Mm-hmm. The games Miami has been favorited so far this year, they're 4-0. The games that they've been underdogs, they're 1-2. and and their one win on the road in LA week one, and we'll get into the Chargers in a second because they're they're a whole nother disaster. So the fact that everyone's pointing fingers at Miami, you can't beat like when the schedule came out at the beginning of the year in Buffalo, you chalked it up as a loss. In Philly, you chalked it up as a loss. I get it at a certain point because they've shown that like Super Bowl caliber of explosiveness and offense, you expect them to have a marquee win, like a statement win. And yeah, they haven't done that yet, but there's still opportunities. This team has so, so much talent. I think they'll be playing in either the final four, maybe even like this team has all the tools. Maybe they even go make a move at the deadline. They're definitely not frauds. Um, So we agree with that one. We'll move on to, let's take an AFC. Let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're five and two. They've been red hot ever since getting whooped by the Houston Texans. I think that was at home too. So they've been really, really good as of late. And that was a big wake up call for them. Yeah. Again, I think the Jaguars are absolutely not frauds. Uh, I think when we look at Trevor Lawrence and look, I took so much slack for, for posting. We had, we had a top 10 
rankings post that we did at the end of last year. And I had Trevor Lawrence in my top three quarterbacks. I had it going, went Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and then I had Trevor Lawrence in three. Is that, was that premature at the time? Sure. That I am not backing down from that. I genuinely think, heck, Joe Burrow hasn't looked as himself, but you, you could make the argument that there's only one quarterback that's playing better football over the last four weeks than Trevor Lawrence. I actually believe that. I think he's, he's, you watch that game. It's it, again, see what you want about the Saints. I don't think the Saints are very good, but to go in to New Orleans, a very hostile environment, like that's one of the toughest places to play. A defense that always performs very well at home. To go in there and sort of play the way that you played, not healthy, didn't really practice, had a knee brace on his knee. Like he, I thought that was one of the best games he's played in his career so far. And sure, he didn't light up the statistic uh, box score. He played good. He was dominant. He made every throw he had to do. He made plays with his legs. I think Trevor Lawrence can Trevor Lawrence can take this Jaguars team to new heights. And for that reason, I, I will absolutely not put them in the fraud category. I'm I'm with you on that one. I think they are legit. I'm not going to talk about the offense. So I'm going to talk about the defense because yes. that was my biggest concern going into the season. The front seven has so much talent, and, yeah. and you know I sort of expected them to be good. I was worried about the secondary. But that trio of Darius Williams, Andre Sisco, and Tyson Campbell has been phenomenal so far this year. Darius Williams in particular, he was playing with Jalen Ramsey in L.A. a couple of years ago and looked amazing. Then he had a couple down years. He's back, and he's playing at a very, very high level right now. I'm big into the Jaguars. Sounds like you are too. Both know on that one. We'll, we'll rapid fire through a couple ones here. I think we can do the Chiefs, Eagles, and 49ers all at the same time and say that they're not frauds. No, not frauds. These are the three teams that only have one loss. Um, very, very easy on that one. We'll go to the Ravens as well, 5-2. and two. I'm going to say that, no, they're definitely not frauds. They had a big win over the Lions this week. Are, are you with me on that one? You're, you're, you're calling no, them frauds? I don't think they're... Okay. I don't think they're frauds in the sense that, like, they're not going to make the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. I, I just don't think they're... I wouldn't put them in, in my contender circle, to be honest. I don't think they're head and shoulders above anyone else in that division. I think they're a very good team. I don't, like, I still see a way where, like, the they playoffs win come a specific around way. and their, their wide receivers somehow let them down. Like, I, like, it's something I like just, that I, I don't know. I just still think they, like, they have to win a specific way. Again, they're, like, one of the best home teams in the whole league, but... Can they, I, I just don't know if I trust that offense, the way it's run on the road in the playoffs against a good team. I don't know. I'm not going to say frauds because I think that's harsh, but I would say, like, I, I know it's not an option, um, but I would temper my expectations. If okay. I was All right. Um, the Lions, a team that just got destroyed by the, by the Ravens, are they frauds? I think they're frauds. Ooh. That might be a hot take. I think they're a good team, but... If we're talking this specific season, I think they're frauds. I All think right. they're they have their holes. Can they compete with the 49ers and the Eagles? I don't think so. I'm going to disagree, I think. Um I think it's tough with the Lions because they they're a team they have to dictate the terms. Yes. So th- 
in, in that sense, maybe they're a little limited and maybe this is a learning year for them because everything is new and fresh, having expectations. They're probably going to win their division, you know, playing a playoff game, potentially on the road against one of the best teams in the NFL. Like those are tough places to be in when it's your first time. So they're really going to have to rely on the leadership of Jared Goff, a guy who's been there and done that before, but also playing a game plan where they're not asking him to carry the load because they need to win games up front with their offensive line and their run game. And as soon as they fall into a hole and they have to pass their way through problems, that is where troubles arise and that is where they struggle. I'm going to say they're not frauds because I still think they're a top three team in the NFC. And I think they'll be playing very, very meaningful football in January. Um, But it was a bit of a learning game for me on Sunday to watch them struggle in Baltimore. But hey, it's, it's still early over here. We'll move on to your favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Frauds, absolutely frauds. <laughs> I, 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 know, I can't not say anything else after that, but the only thing I have to say is you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers and you see that they're 4-2. and two. That is not a 4-2 and two football team. There's no way in hell they should be 4-2. I, I, I don't care. Wins are wins. I get it. You can tell me all you want, Steelers fans, but at the end of the day, your team isn't good. And I, I, there's just, I can't say anything else. When I watch it, they fail the eye test every single week, yet they're still 4-2. So it's impressive. Again, Mike Tomlin, I don't know how he does it. I really don't know how he does it. Um, but he continues to do it, and they're 4-2. And my under bet is looking like it's going to be barbecue chicken soon. So They're the only team in the NFL that has a winning record and a negative point differential. I'm looking at the points for category as well. They only have 103 points scored. For reference, Miami has 240. Also for reference, the Carolina Panthers, who haven't won a game, have 113 or 112. So the Steelers have scored less points than the Panthers. Um, not good. Not wow. good at all. Wow. I just want to say, TJ Watt, is, is he might be the best player in football because for me, he's the only reason why this team has a winning record and he continues to prove his value week in and week out. But they're they're absolutely frauds. I can't believe they're 4-2. and two. That being said... I could see them having a winning record because of Mike Tomlin. Um, we'll go to the Seahawks, another interesting one. Yeah, I one think two. the Seahawks are frauds too. You do? I, yeah. Um, I think they're a good team. I don't think they're like threatening. I don't think No, like I don't a, think. I think they're just like whatever. I, I think like they're they're not like average, but like they're just one of those teams that like you, you play them in the playoffs, you're probably chalking it up as a win. I'm really big into their defense though. I, I'm big into them. No, down they the got road. The, they have a beautiful future like we're like, talking seattle like they're young pieces they can be a good team give them like two or three years if they can get a, a i don't want, again i don't want to come off as like a gino hater but let's let's face it like gino great story he just not like he's not a quarterback that you're gonna like go to the super bowl you, yeah you can't picture gino smith holding a lombardi no that's where which is i don't know i i hate to do it too because i love gino yeah same with, great, like, same with me same with me i guess i'll call them frauds feels a little harsh but i'll call them frauds all right, what do we have over here? Maybe four teams left. We'll go to the Cleveland Browns. who just scraped a win by the skin of their teeth. And, I mean, the refs were potentially wearing Browns jersey underneath <laughs> the uniform. I had them in Survivor this week. I thought I was done. It was at the point where I'm like, I'm not even mad. Like, I'm the Browns, they stink. I'm, I'm out on this team. I'm going to say they're frauds just because... I think this offense is so, so much worse than we expected. I don't care if it's P.J. Walker back there or Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, since he's come back from all the controversy, might be the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL. He's absolutely terrible. I think you put out a post today on our Instagram about his stats yep. through 10 games. 10 games. 10 games. Is that, is that all he's played in Cleveland Yeah, so, so 10 games. It is 10 games with Cleveland. He's got 19 
139 passing yards, 59. Which is, which is less than 200 yards a game. A game. 59% completion percentage and 11 touchdowns to eight picks. So, um, again, not very good, especially for a guy that you're giving a $230 million fully guaranteed contract to. With that being said, Browns, absolute frauds. Miles Garrett, though, I'm going to give you pushback on your TJ Watt uh, take Blame. from just 30 seconds ago. He is him. I I was stunned. For for a team that gave out 37 points in a game, I don't think I've seen a more dominant I, I, <laughs> performance from a defensive player I've in in my life before. I think if Miles Garrett didn't play, they would have lost 37 nothing. Like he contributed offensively. He put that offense in positions that like he actually sorry, they would have lost 50 to nothing <laughs> yeah. for Miles Garrett because the defense would have been worse too. He I'm still TJ Watt for defense player of the year. I'm still on that train, but it is very, very Holy. close. I know Micah Parsons is also, if you look at the odds, they're all sort of similar. They're at around plus 220 to plus 240. Miles Garrett's performance this week was the single best performance by maybe a player this season. I think it's up there with maybe Tyreek Hill when he went for 200 yards. Like it, it was that, that impactful. Was but with that, the Browns are frauds. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, your Cowboys also four and two. My Cowboys are also four and two like the Browns, and they're also frauds like the Browns. I'm done with this team. I told you last week. I'm gonna still cheer because you know I'm a fan. I love going on the Cowboy roller coaster. It's one of the one of my favorite rides ever. But as long as we got Mike McCarthy with his beautiful play sheet um, on that sidelines, we are going to be absolute frauds again. We'll beat up on the bad teams. We won't beat the good teams. Cowboys frauds. I'm gonna agree with you on that one as well. I'm just. It's, it's we hard. wanted to lose that game. We haven't even had a podcast since that game against oh, the yeah, Chargers. Monday, yeah. We wanted to lose that game so bad. I don't know why you wanted to lose. So bad. No, no. I'm saying like the, the team. Oh, the, the, way team they, the way they were playing. The, the way they're playing, like the way it was called, we're lucky with the Chargers because any other team beats us. We, we played that way against the Arizona Cardinals and we lost. Do you remember what I said on the podcast last week about the future of the Cowboys and how you shouldn't worry and all that? I said, tonight's going to be key for me to watch because if... Mike McCarthy can't outcoach Brandon Staley. That he didn't. Did. No, he did. He did. No, he still did. No, he didn't. Brandon dude. Staley is terrible. He's <laughs> terrible. Um, okay, we got we got two teams left. Atlanta Falcons, four and three. These guys are borderline unwatchable, but also at the same time, I feel like I say this every week. It's like what this team could be is so, so frustrating. Yeah, I, uh, and... Bijan Robinson, they don't even play him. They say they're that he's it, sick. They're getting investigated for, for sure. Because absolutely. they didn't disclose it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, a that's ton of people be- lost money. Like, if, you t- if you think about the betting, the whole entertainment side of football, betting, fantasy, like a lot of people were bothered by that. Uh, for sure. Like, Apparently, that's, he, they, they knew since Saturday, too. 100%. Like, that is not, um, that's not something that the NFL takes lightly. Um, I'm surprised that that was even a thing, the, the fact that it even came out. Um, they said he was dealing with a stomach bug or whatever but yeah like you that's something that's got to be reported and if i was rules um i wouldn't be shocked if the uh, falcons face some sort of punishment what that is i don't know um what's the last team now the bills the bills four and three the buffalo bills this might shock someone or people but i still don't think they're frauds i'm i'm i'm, I'm slowly, with you on that too like, i'm slowly slowly maybe coming towards the the middle because i think they're when you watch the Bills, and specifically, I want to talk about Josh Allen, and he, he just, he makes me nervous, <laughs> you know? Like, for a guy that is so talented, um, 
to 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 do some of the things that he does, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, and then again, I guess that's sort of the 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 the. I think that's sort of what you take with with Josh Allen because he's going to try some crazy stuff, and when he pulls it off, you're like, whoa! But then when he doesn't, you're like, okay, like what was that? But I don't know. It just feels like more often than not, the Bills are playing down to their opponents. Like they play down to the opponents, but they also play up to the opponents. So like that's what I, I don't know if they're frauds. Again, I this is honestly probably the hardest one to pick between because. I genuinely believe like, like like firm in the middle, right? And like next week I could change my opinion that I can say, okay, they're frauds. But like, I still don't think this team is bad enough to be considered a fraud team because I, I, I genuinely think if they play in the playoffs tomorrow, if they're playing in a game against Kansas City, that's like a, a toss-up game. It still is, right? I was going to say, if the playoffs ended right now, they're the seven seed, Miami's the two seed. So the Bills would play in, you know, in Hard Rock Stadium. To me... From from a betting standpoint, I think I think the Bills might be favorites in that game. Yeah, like, I'm still, probably not favorites, with, but like with everything again. that's going on, you still can't can't count these down. You still can't count these guys out, and we know they're going to make the playoffs. That's the thing. We, yeah. we we know they're just they're just too too talented. Even when they play poorly, they still find ways to win. As bad as they've been against two teams with you know a win each, the Giants and the Patriots, they managed to come out you know with one win and. Very easily could have been two against the Patriots. Josh Allen is, is again, as bad as he's been. He leads the league in touchdown passes right now and total touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he's up there too. So it's crazy. Do I still think the problem that they've had for the past couple of years is still plaguing them? The fact that they're way too Josh Allen-centric and Josh Allen hero ball. And as soon as he's bad, it really bites them. Yes. Yes, that is still a massive concern. But to me, you just can't count these guys out, whether they're four and three or three and four or six and one. In October, I'm still taking them to be competitive come January. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think for that reason, I meant, you, again, you, again, you mentioned you can't count these guys out. There is a team, though, that you could count out. You could have count them, counted them out six weeks ago. And that'll jump us into our next segment about the beautiful, super exciting Los Angeles Chargers, led by the greatest coach in the NFL, in Brandon Staley, who I think we're going to talk about, could he win the Coach of the Year award in this segment? And yeah, that is an absolute joke if you can't tell by my tone, because this team lost again, and it is ugly, 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 ugly. I get it was the Chiefs, I get it was an arrowhead, but I watched that game, and once again... Like I expected, Andy Reid was coaching circles around Brandon Staley. Like Brandon Staley was dizzy on the sidelines. He was dizzy. He probably was like me on Saturday. And I had a, but I, except I had a couple too much. I had a couple of drinks, right? He, he was, I, at least I hope he was 100% sober. But um, yeah, Brandon Staley, Pac, I want to hear what you got to say about this guy because he, for one, he might, might, might not even make a good coach in the VTFL. Okay, let, let's let's be honest with the Chargers. You're playing in Arrowhead. Even a good team. You're not expecting like, to win This is game. probably a, a game that you lose regardless. Even a good team. You know, maybe you win at home and then you lose on the road to a great Chiefs team. Whatever. It's how they're losing. It's the fact that because of Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert, who has been a phenomenal quarterback since he entered this league, is getting these accusations that, you know, he can't win games. 
Um, I do believe he leads the NFL in losses among all active quarterbacks since coming into the league in 2020. That's a pretty short time span. You know, it's only been three, four seasons. But it's crazy that a quarterback this talented has the most losses in the NFL. Um, Where do you go from here? Because the one, the number one most concerning thing is you hired a defensive head coach, and in the three years he's been there, that defense has been near the bottom of the league time after time after time. No matter how much talent they have, even though they have Joey Bosa, you know, even though that they went and traded for Cleo Mack, that they drafted a first-round linebacker in Kenneth Murray, I know he hasn't panned out, but sometimes that's a credit to coaching. The fact that you have Derwin James, the highest paid safety. The fact that you went and and broke the bank on J.C. Jackson. And this defense continues to be Swiss cheese week in and week out. It's it's honestly like clockwork with the Chargers. So all these stats and and all these narratives are are being cherry-picked and they're being pinned on Justin Herbert. But really, this defense isn't giving him a chance. Yeah, I I mean, I have to agree there. Like, again... Can Justin Herbert be playing better? Sure, absolutely. Like, I, I guess he, he'd be the first one to admit it. There has been t- at times this year that he's missed throws that he usually makes. He's played, I mean, not at the level that you expect a quote-unquote elite quarterback because a lot of people are putting him in that elite category. But again, for in his case, it's hard to build momentum on a team that just has... They're just bland. Like, it's like they should have fired Brandon Staley two years ago, let alone last year when they blew that game against the, <laughs> the, 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 um, the Jaguars. And then, like, we're sitting here seven weeks into the season now, and it's like, just fire him already. Like, I, I don't get it. I, again, I don't want to call for a guy's job because I think it's like, right, like, it, it's, it's rude. But we're, we're in a business here where... Your job is is success-based, right? And anyone else in a success-based job, if you work in an office, if you work in a bank, if you do your job as poorly as Brandon Staley does his job, you would be fired immediately. So I don't get what I don't get what is going on here. Because unless we're missing something, unless my eyes don't work, unless millions of other eyes don't work. I, I don't see why Brandon Saley is still the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I, I know the game better than Brandon Staley, someone who is young, um, has had success in his, you know, um, field, in his career. You know, to be an NFL head coach, it's a one of 32 job. He was a defensive coordinator for a very, very good football team. But I do feel like, I know enough about the sport to know when a change is needed and when a new face, a new voice is needed to lift players up and to motivate them and to change the trajectory of a franchise because the path that the Chargers are heading on right now, you're not a young team. Yeah, you have a young quarterback, but you've passed the window now where you can win when he's cheap. All his weapons around him are slowly aging and like I said, the defense is an absolute disaster. So the Chargers have gone very, very quickly from one of the most promising teams in football to one of the toughest teams to cheer for. Because every single year, we, we talk about them as a sleeper to win the division. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of the Dolphins with Ryan Tannehill. Because every year, it felt like 
this is the year they're going to beat Tom Brady. This is the year that they're going to take the division. Maybe it was just a delusional Dolphins fan saying that, and those are the only people I was listening to. But it feels like with the Chargers, we're always picking them to dethrone Mahomes, to dethrone the Chiefs. And if we're being honest, it's never, never going to happen. The NFL offseason is just so damn long that we, yeah. <laughs> we need narratives to, yeah. to come up with. And that's with. a pretty easy one to come up with because yeah. you see Justin Herbert and you see the, I mean, just the pure talent they have on the team. Like, this is not a team that's filled with scrubs and a good quarterback, right? Like, this is a good team. Um, on paper, at every position, heck, I can name stars, probably 10 stars on their team. Stars, I say in quotations, but 10 very good players. Um, yeah, I don't know. If I was a Chargers fan, man, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty dis- dis- uh, discouraged, right? I guess that's the best word to say it. And, I mean, again, I think you worded it properly. I think... We both don't know as much when it comes to the X's and O's in football. We both don't know what Brandon Staley does. I guess it'd, it'd be ill-advised to suggest we do, yeah. right? Because otherwise, I'd be he's there. making. I'd, be, I'd literally be on the sideline. He's making millions. That, yeah. He's making millions coaching an NFL team, and and we're um, we're making millions. Making millions. <laughs> we're making millions critiquing what he's doing from our co our couch on uh, on Sundays. But yeah, um, that's enough about the Chargers. Let's get into our favorite segment of the week. Second favorite, I mean co-favorite, because there's two very fun segments that we do every single week. We'll get into the first one, and that is powered by our friends at PointsBet. If you want to bet, if you want to sign up for a fantastic sports book, go ahead and use code BLITZ at uh, sign up. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, was, it hasn't been the best a stretch here. I, for, I was going to say, I, I don't like you putting words in my mouth. I hate this segment. I'm 0 2. <laughs> I suck. I, at I mean, it. we we both went 0 2 last. We both week. went 0 2, and like, I just this was a weird week. I did read a tweet saying that the sports books absolutely cleaned up. Oh, yeah. everyone because there were a ton of upsets. Um, I looked back at my picks. I had the Lions on the, on the spread. They got blown out. I love the Ravens this week. I had the Packers. Who by kickoff I didn't believe in them at all. I was yeah. like, I am yeah. Just... See, that's why we do this a little too early. We do, but again, I guess that's the blessing and the curse about doing the podcast on Mondays. But um, again, that was like me last week because by kickoff time I was hammering the Ravens. I was like, this is the lock. I wanted to put my survivor pick on them, and then I let my brother convince me otherwise. But we'll save that for another story. I had was also owing to I had the Bucks um, to cover, and I had the Dolphins. Uh, those both fell. Flat on my face. I told you the Dolphins yeah, you did. weren't a you good did. pick. You did. You know when I'm not picking the Dolphins, that it's it's not good. But you do. Okay, you got first pick, and I'm gonna pick the Dolphins. Oh, <laughs> bounce back spot. They're at home against the Patriots in the Mike McDaniel era as a home favorite. They're seven and two against the spread. They're fifteen and two straight up in their last seventeen home games, which is the best in the NFL. They are such a such a good home team, especially early on in the year, and. Not only did they just lose, the Patriots just had this big emotional win. Can they build on it? Can they keep that going against a very good Miami team that's angry? Mm, I don't quite think so. I'm going to take them to win, and I'm going to take them to win big um, at home. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to take them minus two and a half. Um, Honestly, this is just me hedging the Steelers because I genuinely don't think they're very good. Um but there has to be, again, there has to be some regression back down to the mean. When I watch the Steelers team, I don't see a 4-2 football team. I see, honestly, probably the opposite 
a two and four football team. Um, but give me the Jags to win and cover. I think they're playing some of the best football of any team in the NFL right now. I think Trevor Lawrence is playing some of the best football we've seen in such a young career and such a young start to his career. Um, I'm taking the Jags to win and cover minus two and a half. All right, you're not going to like this one, but I'm going to do it because I had the Jags. This is when I optioned, and you just stole them from me. I'm going to pick against your Cowboys. I'm going to take the Rams plus six and a half. Do I think they win this game? Maybe not, but I just think that's frankly too many points, especially for a frustrating Cowboys team that's defense hasn't looked the same since Trayvon Diggs went out, and his offense has just pretty much looked lifeless or at least doesn't have the capability of blowing teams out. I also think the Rams are much better than their record suggests. Cooper Cup had a bit of an off game this week. I think he'll bounce back. Puka Nakua is setting records. Give me the Rams. Plus six and a half, powered by points bet. That's the second lock. My second lock is going to be the Texans. And again, for those that watch and listen to this podcast week in and week out, they once again continue to be my favorite team to bet on. Um, The Houston Texans minus three. Coming off a bye against the worst team in football? Give me them. Give me them. Give me, give me, give me. Give me the Texans. The Carolina Panthers are going to get smoked. Their first win won't come this week. It might come against the Cowboys in a few weeks. I was going to say, is this the Bryce Young prove-it game? No, 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 no. no. This is CJ Stroud saying, you should have picked me. I am him, and I'm going to destroy your franchise. I'm taking the Texans minus three and a half. I mean, you know what? I'm feeling pretty solid about those picks. I think, again, I'm not going to... Mention your Rams pick, but I think it's a good pick because again, you got Sean McVay. He's going to coach circles around Mike McCarthy because he's going to be worried about his Whataburger order after the game. But we'll save that for um, another story. That's it for the week seven or week eight. Week eight. Yeah, week eight. Wow, this season's flying by. It is flying. Best by. bets um, powered by our friends at Points Bet. Again, you heard us both. If you're signing up, use code Blitz. Um, you won't be disappointed. And this moves us on to again our co-favorite segment of the week starts and sits which we are very sharp on i know i said roshan johnson last week and he didn't play due to injury but dante foreman filled right in and he absolutely went off i started him in a lot of fantasy leagues i was playing him in a lot of fantasy leagues but um three touchdowns again just to build off the momentum that we pretty much set every single week in this segment again and it's powered by did it if you haven't heard the did it app before you can one-on-one live video chat with fantasy football experts like myself. I am on the Did It app. Um, the first call is free. If you download the app, the first call is free. You can chat one-on-one with me. Um, I can help you with your teams, set your lineups, trades, all that fun stuff. It really does help you get the edge on your league mates. With that being said, we're going to give you some help here for free. Powered by Did It, our starts and sits for week number eight. We're red hot in this segment, like you said. You were I'll, I'll credit you with, with Dante Foreman because that was the mindset. Bears running back. I had Brian Robinson as, as a must-start. He found the end zone. I told everyone to trade Kyle Pitts while he's got value. That value is quickly plummeting because Desmond Ritter is his quarterback. So we're trying to keep it rolling here. And uh, I'm going to go right over to that Houston Texans game because you're expecting a big game for them. Nico Collins has become now pretty much a must-start. But Tank Dell, I think there's so, so much value in this guy. He looks to be a pretty effective deep threat. You know, C.J. Stroud loves to go to him. He's such a young and upcoming player. Get him in your lineup because against a weak Panthers secondary that we saw Tyreek Hill absolutely destroy, 
I think Tank Dell could be very, very sneaky productive in this one and potentially even find the end zone. I like that. I like that at all. I also have a sneaky play. He isn't a sneaky player by any means with his name being Garrett Wilson against the New York Giants, the Battle of New York. One of the most exciting games on the slate of uh, football this weekend. Again, I think he's primed for a big week. The Giants secondary hasn't been too good. Has Garrett Wilson been the guy that you had hoped where he was drafted? No. Is that his fault? No, because his quarterback happened to suffer an Achilles injury just four plays into the season. With that being said, I think he's primed for, for, for a pretty solid week. I would feel comfortable starting him, whether that's as a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, flex play. I think he's going to have a pretty solid week. Um, so yeah, I'm getting Garrett Wilson in my lineups unless I have like a top 10 receiver to start over him, which is unlikely. Um, so yeah, if he, if he, you have him on your bench and you want to put him, you're wondering if you got to put him into that flex spot or wide receiver two spot, don't hesitate. I think Garrett Wilson's in for a pride week. All right. On to the sits. And this is a guy I feel like I've mentioned before on this segment, because like I said, I'm so, so out on this offense. Amari Cooper in Cleveland, he's just not the guy that he used to be, and he does not have the quarterback play that he's had in past years. Sounds like Deshaun Watson is going to be back, but I'm just not too into him going forward. Um, And also, going up against the Seattle Seahawks, which have been one of the best defenses in football this year, Devon Witherspoon is incredible, and if he has his way with, with Amari Cooper and he's covering him, don't expect a big day. I'd sit Amari Cooper and I'd even try to trade him. I'm gonna my sit's gonna also be in that same game, except it's on the opposite sidelines. I'm gonna stay away from Geno Smith this week. I think the, the Browns defense again. They just I know they just get dropped 38 points on them, but I'm still staying away with Geno. Uh, I think this Browns defense is just something that you don't want to sort of play against. It's again. If it wasn't for that defense, if it wasn't for specifically Miles Garrett, whoever you want to say, this defense, this team probably wouldn't be too good. I don't see this being a crazy high-scoring game. I don't think there's going to be too much opportunity by Geno Smith. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to try and dominate the time of possession. Um, just given, like you mentioned, the whole offense that the Browns have, it's just not high-scoring. Um, so I think the Seattle Seahawks, it's going to be a boring game. I don't think it's going to be too high-scoring. If I have a quarterback better than Geno Smith with at least more upside than Geno Smith, I'd be looking away. There you have it. The Week 8 start sits powered by Did It. Make sure you go out and download the Did It app. Talk to this guy. First calls free. He's your fantasy expert analysis and analyst that's going to take you places because my team stinks in fantasy. I'm going to read, I'm going to read you out my team fantasy. You're going to have to guess my record, okay? Uh, I got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Not okay. bad. Starting running backs this week. They combined for seven points this week. That's actually a good week for me. I've won in this league. With Did you like, start Keontae Ingram this week? No, no, no. I got Latavius Murray and Antonio Gibson. Those are my starting running backs. <laughs> I drafted three running backs. Akers, Dobbins, and Dalvin Cook. Oh, All that, gone. That's not good. I got Christian Kirk. Jacoby Myers is my wide receivers. Mark Andrews is my tight end. I got Curtis Samuel as my flex. And then Carlson and 49ers. So I got to guess your record. Yeah. You, you, probably one win max. I'm four and three. I'm a good coach. <laughs> I got to reset it. We'll do the outro. <laughs> it's time to coach. <laughs> you are, you are indeed. And I forgot. I mean, I, I wasn't factoring coaching when I was thinking about that, uh, yeah. that lineup.
Good That's coaches. <laughs> good coaches find a way. I'm four and three. You I, must be motivating your team. In the I got the best locker. defense in the league. <laughs> I just don't allow fantasy points. No, I've gotten I've gotten really lucky. I do also have Justin Jefferson. So he's on IR right now. Okay, well that that's someone that you didn't. I traded uh, away Dev, uh, Devon uh, Chain. I'm not going to say what I got for him, but it was Kendra Miller. He's off my team. <laughs> I need the did it app. That's why, dude. You see, so. that is exactly why he he pulled this. And even in the draft, if I was there drafting alongside of him, and I saw that he wanted to take J.K. Dobbins as his RB one. J.K. Dobbins was good in week one. He was good in week one, but his, he, he had the backfield. When has he been healthy? Again, we're not going to say this because. The did it app is there for you to take advantage of so you don't end up like Pac over here. Yeah, what a terrible team. My goodness. Right? Yeah. And it was four, four and three, but that, that team, I'm sorry. Ain't, no, ain't, I'm going to make a couple trades ain't and I'm going to win the championship. Ain't as good of a coach as you are, it ain't, it ain't winning nothing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But anyways, that's the show for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Um, hope your team won this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you guys next Tuesday.